Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Exploring Art Podcast. This is episode 109. This is a Florida International University podcast for the creatively curious. I'm your host, Christian Zidane. Uh, I'm very pleased to have Daniela. Hi. And Megan. Hello. Here with me today. Welcome, ladies, to the Exploring Art Podcast. Hope you enjoy being on here. So I've got some things written down here. Uh, something for us to figure out here. So there's a few propositions. The first one, namely being Handel composed the oratorial Messiah. Uh, this is generally held to be true, just in case there was someone who, namely Handel, and there was something, which is the oratorial Messiah, that he composed. So the proposition is true. But there's a second proposition here written down that we should consider where it's Alexander the Great slew the Minotaur. But the Minotaur is mythical, uh, and so that couldn't have existed at all. Whereas the real Alexander, who was an actual person, did exist. So he can't have slain it. And from there, it's either completely false, or it's neither true or false. But it cannot be true at all. It cannot be wholly true because there was no Minotaur for Alexander to slay. Now, for our, based off of the first um, proposition, Handel composing the Oratorio Messiah, who was Handel and what, and, and what was the Oratorio Messiah? So George Frederick Handel composed a piece known as Messiah, um, which is an oratorio. He composed um, many um, operas, oratorios, and pieces, but this is a sacred or semi-sacred piece. It was aired in Dublin during Easter on April 13th, 1742. The verses of the piece, Messiah, come from the three parts of the Bible, which was written by its good friend, Charles Jennings. It started with the Old Testament, which prophesies the Messiah's birth, the New Testament with the stories of the birth, the death, and resurrection of Christ, and then the verse of Judgment Day. The chorus comes back from the book of Revelations. All right, and um, you mentioned a Charles Jennings in there. How much of a part do you believe Jennings played in the composition of Messiah? So Charles Jennings was a good friend of Handel's, but he didn't put much into the actual composition of Messiah. He mostly assembled the Messiah, putting... um the lyrics where the lyrics go and how everything went while it came down to Handel when he came up with the actual composition and he's the one who decided that it should go, it should be from Christ itself. Hmm. All right. Now, our second proposition that was mentioned was about Alexander the Great. Can, can you tell us a bit more in depth about who, who this guy was, Megan? Yeah, um, Alexander the Great was a real-life famous war general that created a massive empire from Macedonia to Egypt and from Greece to India. He was born 356 BC and died 323 BC at age 32. Now, the original proposition mentioned Alexander slaying a minotaur, but there wasn't a mention at all there. It seems like a very important important thing to mention if it even did happen so what's what's going on there um <laughs> the thing is 
Alexander did not have time, nor was he even around for the slaying of the Minotaur in Crete. Um, the person who actually slayed the Minotaur was Theseus, um, who was a myth- mythological hero from Athens, who was determined to go to Crete to slay the Minotaur. Um, and the story goes, the king of Crete, King Minos, would often send his ar- uh, sorry, not his army, his navy, to Athens mm. to attack them for really no good reason. Um, and one day, the king of Athens proposed the idea that if King Minos didn't attack their island for nine years, they would send seven boys and seven girls to be eaten by King Minos' um, beloved Minotaur. Mm-hmm. King Minos agreed, but Theseus, son of said King Athens, volunteered to take the place of one of the Athenian boys when the time came. When he arrived, he was greeted by the princess of Crete, um, Pr- Princess Ariadne who offered him a sword and a ball of yarn to take with him to the maze of the Minotaur. The idea of the yarn was to tie to um, the gate of the maze, and then the sword, obviously, was meant to slay the Minotaur. Um, And so he did that uh, with the promise that he would take her off the island so people could admire her beauty, which is, and I quote what she said, um, and that is exactly what happened. Um, Theseus tied the string to the gate of the maze so he could find his way back. He slayed the Minotaur, and he left happily ever after with the Athenian children and Princess Ariadne, where he left on a remote island because she said that she wanted people to admire her. Um, she He just didn't want her to be admired in Athens. <laughs> and so Alexander the Great was a real person, just in a completely different part of time, um, in mm-hmm. real life and doing a bunch of different things. Um, Theseus was simply just a legend, though he was um, legendary and very cool. He is simply just a myth, but he was the one to slay the Minotaur, not Alexander the Great. Now, we've talked a lot about this Minotaur, this this, this beloved, this this actual monster that uh, Theseus was sent in to slay, uh, what exactly is a minotaur in Greek mythology to begin with? So in Roman mythology, it is known as a minotaur, but in Greek, it is known as a minotaurist, which means minos bull. Mm-hmm. According to the Greek mythology, a minotaur is a monster of Crete which had a man's body and a head of a bull. A minotaur came from the arrogance of a man to the gods. The Minotaur is used as a symbol of power and tool for death and torture. He was then killed and his head severed was known as a symbol. Mm. So from all of these Greek and Roman mythologies, whatever, we've we've got something that there there's a there's a very um, famous artwork now that is that seems to be very important, and it is Botticelli's Birth of Venus. Could somebody, could you explain uh, the Birth of Venus real quick? Yeah, um, the Birth of Venus is a painting created by Sandro Botticelli in around um, 1485. Uh, it depicts Venus, the goddess of love, arriving on the island of Cyprus, standing within a scalloped shell. To her left are the personifications of the sea breeze and wind, and to her right is another woman, attempting to cast a beautiful cloak over Venus, 
when she arrives on shore. It is one of the most iconic paintings in history, um, art history, and was a staple to the Italian Renaissance. Now, this Venus, uh, in this artwork, she's, I feel like she's kind of depicted to be very, uh, very important. Who was she? And is there like any way that she could be connected to uh, another religion, perhaps Catholicism? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, Venus was a Roman goddess, or also known as Aphrodite in Greek mythology. Uh, she was the goddess of love, fertility, sex, and passion. She had the ability to make mortals and gods fall in love with her and other people with her charm and appeal. Because of that, she had multiple lovers um, and multiple husbands. <laughs> um, and so her actual birth was quite unusual, but technically her father would be Uranus and her mother would be the sea itself. The story goes that when Saturn, son of Uranus and Terra, Terra um, is the representation of Earth, um, decided to overthrow them, he cut off his father's genitals and threw them into the ocean. From there, mixed with the swirling sea foam, Venus arrived. Apart from that, though, we can compare Venus to Mary, mother of Christ, where both Mother Mary and Venus depict love. However, um, Mary depicted motherly love, whereas Venus depicted more sensual love. Um, Venus is heavily associated with the sea and the morning slash evening star, just like how the Virgin Mary was the Stella Marie, or the uh, star of the sea. All right, very interesting. Now, Botticelli, the man who actually drew this very famous artwork, who who was this man? So, Sandro Botticelli wasn't his actual real name. His original name was Alessandro di Mariano Felipe, Filippepi, who was born in Florence, Italy in 1445 and died in Florence on May 17, 1510. He was one of the best painters during the Florentine Renaissance, and he painted The Birth of Venus and Primavera, which were paintings known to optimize the true spirit of the Renaissance at that time. So, it's very interesting. And I've got some things here written down for some more some more in-depth analysis. Uh, foremost, talking about Botticelli and the actual Birth of Venus, do you think he drew the literal birth of Venus, or do you think it was just um, a representation? So, Botticelli did actually paint the birth of Venus, but the question is, did he paint what he thought the birth of Venus was? And yeah, mm -hmm. he did paint what he thought the birth of Venus looked like, and the way that he perceived it was, not like the way she was actually born, as Megan already talked about, which is the way she was born. But she was a, she was, um, Rome. Um, Venus was a Roman goddess, but in Greek she was known as Aphrodite, the goddess of love. She was portrayed in such a way that she was perfect, beautiful, and resembled what love was in Botticelli's eyes. Now, Botticelli's birth of Venus and Alexander slaying the Minotaur. These two things seem almost wholly unrelated. But do uh, you think there's any way to actually relate these two to each other? Uh, yeah, Christian. Um, 
Alexander slaying the Minotaur and Botticelli's Birth of Venus are alike because both are mythological tales. Though Alexander slaying the Minotaur is false, it is still a story based on myth and legend. Um, being that though Theseus was the one to slay the Minotaur, um, the idea of somebody slaying the Minotaur is a story. Alexander the Great um, was just a real person, but for the sake of the statement, um, yes, it was a story. And then for Botticelli's Birth of Venus, um, it is a painting, but it is also based on the story of the Birth of Venus, which is mythological in nature. Mm-hmm. So would you say that the main difference about them is uh, an artwork, while uh, the other one is simply a tale a false one at that and uh why would that matter even if that is the case that the only difference between them is the is that one is an artwork so we have talked a lot about roman and greek mythology and it gets a little confusing at a point but mm-hmm. the minotaur here is resembled it's greek um and venus we're talking about that she and she is roman so they can't be related in that aspect that the Minotaur is Greek and Venus um, is Roman, so they can't be um, alike in that manner because there's whole two different types of mythology going on. But also, Alexander so the Minotaur is actually a myth, which didn't happen at all, as Megan said. And Botticelli's Birth of Venus is a true painting that resembled the Birth of Venus, but in Botticelli's eyes. Mm-hmm. And to add to that, um, this matters because there can be a story or truth behind something. So it is always important to know what's actually happening, whether it be in real life or in a painting, that story. So for example, um, if you read the text, Alexander slew the Minotaur, um, and you had no prior knowledge, you wouldn't know that that's a completely false statement. So it's always good to like check your resources. and the same for Botticelli's Birth of Venus. Um, you wouldn't know the story behind um, uh, her birth uh, just by looking at the painting. You'd just say, oh, that's a pretty lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's good to understand and know where your information is coming from, um, depending on whatever the media may be. I can definitely agree with that. and. Uh, I want to thank you guys uh, so much for joining me today. And thank you, uh, Daniela and Megan. Thank you for having us, Christian. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate you guys coming on and talking about this stuff. And that's going to conclude the Exploring Art podcast. Uh, Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever it is that you're getting your podcast from. Thank you for listening. Please join us soon. And remember to stay curious.